The left tries to pin another story on white supremacists, but it turns out to be a fail again. Only one type of Independence Day can be celebrated, according to the left, and the leftist mayors just don't get it, and people are getting kind of tired of it. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, hey, this is Gene. Welcome back to Dumbasses Talking Politics. I hope you guys got a chance to listen to Saturday's uh, special that I made, reading of the introduction to Ibram Hicks Kendi's How to Be an Anti-Racist, and uh, giving my little commentary, my little two cents. Uh, I, I had a lot of fun with it. It took a really long time to do. So enjoy, and I wouldn't mind hearing some comments about it. So this week is going to be kind of a vacation week, so I'm not sure when I, I'm going somewhere. I just don't know where, and I don't know when. So don't be too shocked if I don't do a couple of podcasts this week. Uh, planning a trip, so we'll see what happens. Okay, so again, the media and leftist politicians just got it wrong again. I, 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 I noticed that I said leftist about three times in my introduction, which is not something I usually like to do. But you know something? It's what it is what it is. Uh, so the media and the leftist politicians aren't getting it. They really don't get it. In fact, they're losing a lot of credibility, plus they're losing a ton of uh, they're losing a ton of citizens. They're all leaving. People are leaving. Their narratives have clouded their judgment, so much so that they refuse to see what is obviously the problem. And anytime they say anything, people are just not believing them anymore. Here is another example. In Wilton Manors, Florida, during a gay pride parade, uh, a truck had accelerated and ran through a crowd of parade goers. One person was killed, one person was injured. Literally moments after the tragedy, the Fort Lauderdale mayor, a Democrat named Dean Trantalis, who was at the parade, made the following statement, quote, this is a terrorist attack against the LGBT community. This is exactly what it it is. Hardly an accident. It was deliberate. It was premeditated. And it was targeted against a specific person. Luckily, they missed that person. But unfortunately, they hit two other people. Now, he didn't really go into what he meant by it was targeting an individual. But whatever. It took a little later that Trentalis' announcement burned through social media, specifically Twitter. Twitter The Twitter users started blaming Ron DeSantis, of course, because it's Ron DeSantis that was driving the truck, I guess, or lent the truck to this guy who ran over people. The point, uh, the leftists on Twitter pointed out that DeSantis had approved a bill that would make it against the law to run over protesters in their cars if they feared for their lives. They argued that the incident is proof that his laws were meant to threaten peaceful protest with violent white extremists. The hashtag pound DeSantis was trending for hours about 12 hours before it was finally taken down. Okay, there are a few things wrong with this whole argument here. One, the law was designed for people who were being threatened by rioters to be able to defend themselves when police couldn't be there, not to go out willy-nilly and run over peaceful protesters. Even if the law did mean you can run over willy-nilly peaceful protesters, this was a parade. It wasn't the protest. The law wouldn't have applied here. And finally, Ron DeSantis 
didn't drive the car into anyone. This was somebody else that did it. Oh, by the way, there was a, another detail. Uh, I forgot number four. The whole thing was determined to be an accident. That's right, it was an accident. It wasn't done on purpose. The man in the trunk jump, jumped out, distressed, yelling that he stepped on the wrong pedal, and it was an accident. He never ran away from the crime scene, nor did his, ter quote, terror carnage continue after he ran over the first initial people. The man driving the truck was wearing a Fort Lauderdale gay men's chorus t-shirt, and the chorus president, Justin Knight, was part of, said that the driver was part of the chorus family, end quote. Knight released a statement. Our thoughts and prayers are with those affected by the tragic accident that occurred when the Snow Stonewall Pride Parade was just getting started. Our fellow chorus members were those injured, and the driver was part of our chorus family. To my knowledge, this was not an attack on the LGBTQ community. We anticipate more details to follow and ask the, uh, the community's love and support. Oops. Twitter never fact-checked any of the any of the tweets that used the pound death DeSantis trend. They didn't take anything down when it was found out that it wasn't due to terrorism, and Twitter never apologized. Trantalis today sat back and said that he regrets that he actually said that this was terrorism before he knew what was going on, and here it comes, but he felt terrorized. Jesus, come on, guys. Keep it up, guys. Keep it up, leftists. Keep doing what you're doing. All you guys are doing is digging your own graves. You're making yourselves irrelevant. Anything you say, it's going to be a lie. If a leftist told me the sky was blue, I'd break out an umbrella because these guys lie just to keep the narrative. And the narrative is the most important thing. Let's take a look at the next two stories that actually just proves it. The lift the left continues to destroy their own cities and then push their narratives that something else besides their crappy policies is destroying those cities and lowering the standard uh, standards of living for their citizens. People are getting sick of it. How do we know that's true? People are leaving their cities, those cities, and those states and going to states that are actually run well. So in this first story, you've got you've got to take a look at probably, and this is really a stretch. We have so many incompetent mayors, but this one, she's incompetent, she's crazy, and she's stupid, and she's mean. Uh, Lori Lightfoot of Chicago. Lori Lightfoot is an incompetent, narcissistic nut job. I don't know how else to say it. Last week, in addressing a question about the rising levels of violence in Chicago. And I'll give you an example. 54 people this weekend, this past weekend, were shot. Eight people were killed, including like four children. Lori Lightfoot said this. When I think about racism, yeah, there it is. There's your narrative. Got to keep the narrative going no matter what. I'm sorry. Let's continue. When I think about racism, many of us think about the visible and audible forms. But the reality is the insidious nature of systemic racism 
has other impacts that are every bit as deep and harmful, but often ones that we can't see, like the impacts on the psyche and other impacts on our bodies that are just as, if not more deadly. Yeah? No. I, that, what she just basically said was gobbledygook. It was crap. You know what has an impact on people? Bullets. 54 people in one weekend are, are shot. Eight people killed. Alderman Raymond Lopez of Chicago's 15th actually agrees with me. He is a Demo he's a Democrat who is has had a really tough relationship with Lightfoot. He was the guy, he's been on Fox News frequently bitching about Light, uh, Lightfoot's, quote, leadership, end quote. I want to point out this out because it's important. Lopez, Lopez is a liberal Democrat. He's not a leftist. He is a classical Democrat. And I miss those Democrats because no matter what, we may not agree, but they were reasonable. He said of Lightfoot's leadership to the Washington Examiner, which is another right-wing paper, because he's just trying to get his word out. So Lopez said, generational gang life isn't just something that's encouraged. It's almost revered in some neighborhoods. If you, if you really want to get to what's at the heart of this, heart of a lot of this, it is the gangs, and it is the borderline collapse of the family unit in many of our neighborhoods. Lightfoot has avoided calling out gangs in our community and as a source of violence in our city. I, okay, you know something? That's not an insane, that's not an insane statement at all. Do you know who else said that? Barack Obama. Barack Obama said the same thing. He said the crashing of the family unit is really what is killing our youth. Not, not anything else but the collapse of the family unit. Single mothers, teenage mothers having kids, they never are able to get to the next level of life because they've got to take care of kids. Even pointed out that residents have stopped calling the police because the police are not allowed to do anything about it. He was the guy who, he was the guy, this Lopez, who was the one who brought all this up that was secretly recorded in a board meeting between the aldermans and the mayor. And she told him that he was full of poop. And I'm using the clean word for poop. But this is exact. But that is exactly what she told him. And then he started using dropping f bombs, and it all went to hell. And of course, he asked the question. And his point was, I asked a question. You're not answering the question. You're annoying or ignoring me, and you're just walking right over what I just said. Well, anyway, he continued. He said, "Quote: I think it's a, f it's a foil." To avoid having a having to deal with the gang and other issues. Period. Two hundred plus murders in the city of Chicago. None of them were committed because of racism. I can tell you, last week, gang shootings had nothing to do with racism. The shooting in Englewood Monday morning: four people shot, three others injured. That was not about racism. Most of the crime in okay. Um, that's end quote. And he's absolutely correct. Most of the violence, most of the gun violence in Chicago has nothing to do with race. It is black-on-black -black violence. And this is what a lot of people are complaining about in Chicago. That it's not white cops killing people. It's not white people killing black people. It's not even black people killing white people. It's black-on-black -black gang violence. It's happening in specific areas. 
Well, here's the story on this whole thing. She doesn't care. She really just doesn't care. Lori Lightfoot couldn't care less. It was another violent weekend in Chicago. This includes the shooting of that left one man dead and his girlfriend in critical condition. That was recorded. That video was actually recorded. The man was shot execution style while his girlfriend was shot and assaulted. And she had yet, she has yet to address this. But she did find time to address the desire for the Chicago Bears football team to move out of the city and move into the suburbs because they didn't want to be in the city anymore. Yeah, she has her priorities straight. This gal doesn't know what she's doing, and her city is absolutely falling apart. It was falling apart before, but under her watch, it has gotten worse. But it's not just Chicago that's having problems. It's Atlanta is also facing a huge crim, crime wave problem. In Atlanta, murders are up 50%. Carjackings are up 40%. Rape is up almost 70%. When, about, when asked about it during a virtual interview, Keisha Lance Bottoms, another leftist mayor, said this, quote, Remember in Georgia we were opened up before the rest of the country even before the CDC said that it was safe for us to open, so our nightclubs and our bars remained open, so we had people traveling here from across the country to party in our city. COVID left a lot of people battered and bruised, not just physically, but also emotionally. You got that? It's Republicans' fault because the pandemic was over, but they decided to end the lockdowns question for you uh why aren't florida texas alaska north and south dakota montana and idaho facing any crime issues they were closed too they have been open for quite a while as a matter of fact they opened six seven months early heck uh florida never really even closed they they kind of stayed open for the most part they're not facing any problems another question um, why are New York, Los Angeles, Portland, Washington, D.C., San Francisco, and Seattle experiencing a huge growth of crime? Those cities are still closed. They're still locked down. But you see a huge spurt in crime. And by the way, what were you planning to do? Keep everything? What was, what was Keisha going to do? Keep the cities closed forever? How was she going to prepare for them reopening? Sounds like, I don't know about you, she sounds like a little tyrant to me. But then things got better. She said, quote, Until we deal with systemic issues of gun violence in this country, how easily young people and people of mental illness can access guns in this country, I'm afraid that this will not be the last summer that we are having this conversation. If it were an Atlanta issue alone, then I would, I'd know that there was something that we weren't getting right. But I'm talking to mayors and hearing from mayors in cities and large urban areas. We're all experiencing this, which means that we are all, we all have to work together to find a solution to this gun violence that's gripping our nation. Okay, um, first off, if you're hearing this from other large mayors, I would have asked, what mayors are you talking to? 
Are you talking to Garcetti in Los Angeles? Wheeler in Portland? Are you talking to de Blasio in New York? Because if you're talking to any of those mayors, um, yeah, they're, they have the same policies as Atlanta does. Question, is she talking to um, any of the Florida mayors that aren't having a crime spike? Is she talking to any of the mayors in Texas that aren't having a crime spike? Because those are right-leaning, those are right-leaning cities. And they probably don't have a crime problem because they allow things like guns. So it is a problem with big cities because all the big cities are blue and they're all experiencing the same problem. But what's important about this statement is, guess whose fault it is? It's Republicans' fault again. Like Republicans wanted the COVID crisis to keep everything closed and we opened it up too fast and now everyone is going insane and shooting each other. That was a Republican's fault. Now it's those Republicans who believe in the Second Amendment and don't believe in shutting down an entire uh, world. It's their fault again for allowing guns. Okay, questions. Why are cities in red states? which do have really lax gun laws, not see a spike in gun violence. Now, when I say really lax gun laws, I mean I can go to a store down the street, I have to still fill, I still have to show two to three forms of ID depending on the accuracy of my IDs. I still have to get a background check, check that can take two, year, two uh, weeks, two weeks to a month. I still can't just walk into a place and buy a gun. I still have to have that gun registered. And for the most part, I still have to take a class on uh, how to shoot. So I don't know what she means by lax gun laws. The gun laws are not not lax. And by the way, no, you cannot just go to a gun fair and buy a gun. That's not how it works. You still have to get a background check. You still have to show IDs. You still can't have a felony. You still can't have any mental illness, anything. You can't be addicted to anything. That's just not true. That's, that's basically a lie. But let's just take those cities, for example. Um, let's say Dallas is kind of a leftist city, but Dallas, the cities in northern Florida, all the cities in the Carolinas, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, uh, not Georgia, uh, outside the Georgia suburbs, Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, Oklahoma, uh, a bunch of those states, all the cities in those states, Alaska, they actually don't have gun problems. They don't have violence problems. Utah doesn't have a gun violence problem. Why not? Because they have free, lax gun laws that they don't have a crime problem? Here's the other question. Why are cities that are most restrictive with their gun controls as laws and the in the country seeing huge spikes in crime. I mean, Chicago, New York, Washington, D.C., Los Angeles, and San Francisco make it practically illegal to own a gun. Impossible to, not illegal, impossible to get a gun. Yet, they're the ones that are having spikes in crime. It's, it's difficult in California to get ammo. Could it be that criminals who don't care about gun control laws are afraid in red cities and states that someone they run they want to rob potentially will have a gun and protect themselves against that individual. 
I've got one last question. One last question. Could telling people that they never get ahead because of their race lead to a justification in their minds that crime is okay? Could it lead them to believe that them committing crimes is a form of reparations? We've heard this all the time. Could spending a, the last year demonizing and defunding the police who are paid to catch these criminals so that they quit, so, so much so that these police quit or don't do their jobs because they want nothing to do with getting into trouble? Could catching a criminal who committed a violent crime, then releasing him hours later, have something to do with him not wanting to, uh, uh, not being worried about getting caught from committing another crime? Could not prosecuting violent criminals and letting him go free have something to do with this? Everything I just mentioned, those are the policies. They're out there. The leftist leaders sitting in their ivory and heavily protected towers and heavily protected towers by police are tone deaf and just don't care about anything but their narrative. They don't care if you die. They don't care if you get shot. They don't care if you are in danger. They want you disarmed and they want you just to hide inside your homes and be afraid. Because those criminals, they're not going anywhere. Okay, in the last story, and actually I'm going to have one more, but it's really short. Um, Evanston, an affluent suburb in Illinois, decided to cancel the 4th of July festivities over the China virus back in March. One has to think this was a bit of an overreaction because in March, the virus was already on the downslide in the United States. But okay. They said this in their statement. Based on concern for public health due to unpredictability of the pandemic's impact, vaccine vaccination rates, and in cooperation with our local authorities, the trustees of the Evanston 4th of July Association voted to cancel the Fun Run Parade Palatine Concert Band Performance and Lakefront Fireworks Show on July 4th, 2021. However, we have committed and already working towards the Independence Day celebration that will be safe creative, and build community. Monthly podcasts will begin in late 2019, titled Celebrating a Century, the 4th of July in Evison, which will continue and be heard on your personal devices. If guidelines allow, the association plans to conduct the traditional morning games and activities in the parks and schools. The 2020, oh, that's enough with that. Okay, so, oh, oh, wait, no, it's not. The 2020 virtual 4th of July celebration with a parade, concert, fireworks is already is ready to be replayed. That's awesome. The celebration team is considering mini concerts, roving entertainment, neighborhood art and decoration projects to provide community with a day to remember. <sighs> wow. Podcasts? <laughs> a virtual celebration with music and roving entertainment? replays of firework displays from 2020 on your computer who the hell needs independence day we could celebrate like this every day well it's been three months since the city has not re uh, it's been three months the pandemic is all but over the the uh 
vaccination rate in that town is 87%, and they still have not reinstated the fourth, July 4th celebrations. Uh, the infection and death rates in in their, in the country now are practically zilch. Zero. Nada. When asked about this, the Independence Day organizer, Jamie Black, said, The city's 4th of July, Associ uh, July Association made the decision in March based on the information we had at the time. Okay, that's a ch chicken shit answer. Just, we know the answer has, the times have changed. There are deadlines for permits and to secure fireworks, as well as taking applications for the parade that happened early in the year. We erred on the side of caution. So basically, they canceled everything. If things weren't better, we would be criticized for being a super spreader event. Okay, fine. The city is playing it safe. Why they canceled absolutely everything and just didn't suspend everything, even if they took a financial hit, I don't know. Now, the question is, are they playing it safe? The answer is, nope, they're not. This weekend, uh, the city held a Juneteenth celebration with music, a parade, food, and a fireworks display. It was organized by the Evanston Past and Future Group, and that's a group that promotes black history. Do I have a problem with this? Not at all. I think that's a good, good. We should celebrate Juneteenth just like we celebrate every other holiday. I have no problem with that. Next weekend, Evanston will host a gay pride event. Independence Day festivities still have not been reinstituted. Do I have a problem with a gay pride parade? I won't go, but I don't have a problem with it. But then July 4th comes around, you better have something. Seems like the China virus isn't the problem in this case. And the groups did not have any problems issuing permits for those. But there's a bigger issue here, a much bigger issue. Okay, listen. I'm glad that Juneteenth is an official holiday. I wish it was in December and it would be called Emancipation Day or something like that. Something that celebrates the actual Emancipation Proclamation signed into law by Abraham Lincoln in 1863. Not a day that happened two years after the law was enacted and after a civil war was fought that killed 700,000 people, mostly white, to end slavery and keep the country together. But Juneteenth is being pushed, not as a national holiday that would unify the country like Columbus Day, the 4th of July, or Thanksgiving. It is being coined as Black Independence Day. I believe the day was chosen because Lincoln can't be involved. It cannot be part of that day that it was Abraham Lincoln that signed the Emancipation Proclamation and put it into law because that goes against the narrative that Abraham Lincoln was probably a closet racist. They can't celebrate the Civil War ending because the uh, making the Emancipation Proclamation law through an entire country because 700,000 people, mostly white, died to push that slavery would be ended. Yes, there were black people that fought in the Civil War, bravely in the Civil War. There were slaves that left the South, came to the North just to fight in the Civil War. And that's fantastic. And we can celebrate that too. We should celebrate that too. But we should also celebrate the Civil War. We should also celebrate the Emancipation Proclamation signed by Abraham Lincoln. And we should celebrate 
the fact that the Civil War, white people actually went out and ended slavery. Not because for some, like Ibram X. Kendi would say, for some ulterior motive. They ended it because it was evil. The reality is ending slavery was not a race thing. It was an evil thing. It violated the tenets of the Constitution. The, the Founding Fathers knew it violated the tenets of the Constitution. Even Thomas Jefferson and George Washington, who owned slaves, thought it violated the tenets of the Constitution. The Civil War, the Emancipation Proclamation, actually unified us into believing that. Black sa slaves fought side by side with their white countrymen to end this evil. It should be seen as unifying, not as divisive. But the left doesn't want this. It's not part of their narrative. They want this holiday to be a black-only holiday. They want to use, that's why it's in June 19th. Two years, June 19th, signifying the Emancipation Proclamation. Two years after, two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation was actually on the books as a law. They want the holiday to divide, not unity, unify. Don't buy into their BS. Do not buy into their BS. Because it is BS. And I'll celebrate Juneteenth, but I'll always remember it was January 1st, 1863, that the Emancipation Proclamation was signed. It was not made into law on June 19th, 1865. And by 8 June 19, 1865, the Union had already won the Civil War, killing 700,000 people. So don't buy it. Now, the last story I want to... Josie and I went to my dad's place. My dad's an avid golfer. And my dad was watching the U.S. Open yesterday, which ironically was played less than 20 miles from where I live, over in, uh, in La Jolla. And John Rahm, who was down who was down by two strokes ended up taking a lead on the last hole he had busted his chops he had gotten birdie after birdie and he finally took a lead over the guy in second place this south african named zosen usenheisen usenheider okay so he had finally taken a stroke at minus uh, a stroke lead at minus 6 and it ended up usenheider could Hyder could not win, could not sink it. He ended up double bogeying. And John Rahm, who's from Spain, ended up winning the U.S. Open. Now, why do I bring this up? First off, I never thought I'd see Josie sit there and stare at a, 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 a TV screen watching golf for four hours. She did. She did. Second reason I think this is huge, John Rahm is now number one in the world rankings that's awesome he deserves it he's been a very good golfer and i don't watch golf but i've heard of the guy third john rom three weeks ago was in a golf tournament he was in the last nine holes of that golf tournament on the fourth day if you don't know golf goes for four days and he was up by six strokes and on the tenth hole Someone walked up to him and said, you've tested positive for COVID. You need to get off the course. 
Now, this was a major. This was the PGA. It was a huge major. He was winning. He was going to win this. No one was catching catching up from a six-stroke lead. And they pulled him off the course. He was dis- he was um, disqualified. Of course, he didn't know he had COVID, so there was no um, uh, no problems. He wasn't going to get suspended or anything. But he got pulled off the course, and he ended up not even getting a dime out of playing three and a half days and win it being up by six strokes. And he, it was heartbreaking to watch. He was told, and these idiots with their effing masks on, you have to get off the course, you've got COVID. And by the way, there's no <laughs> social distance. It, it, there's, it, there's no way on a golf course he's going to actually spread COVID. He started just bawling, just crying, and he lost his chance to win a major because he, had, at this point, I don't think he's won a major yet. So he goes into the U.S. Open, a major. He fights his way. He wins it. Good for him, John Rom. He is now my new hero. Okay, you can uh, download or listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Podcast Addict, and YouTube and Rumble. You can visit my website at Dumbasses Talking Politics, where you can actually take a look at some of the uh, at some of the links just to make sure and keep me in, in check. I hope you guys have a great day. Happy Monday. This is Gene. Happy June Juneteenth. And happy Father's Day, by the way. I forgot about Father's Day. Uh, that's probably the only reason I'd be watching golf is because my father watches golf. Take care. This is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics.